Welcome, everybody, to Talking Fates, the Star Wars podcast where we discuss another Star Wars podcast, specifically Duel of the Fates, a podcast in nine parts based on the alleged Derek Connolly, Colin Trevorrow draft of the Star Wars Episode Nine script. I'm John Murray, co-host of Star Wars TV Talk, along with my TV Talk cohort, Zach Logan, and we are joined this week by Duel of the Fates producer and narrator, Jamie Dew to break down the first episode of his limited run nine installment podcast. Zach, why don't you take it from here? Well, I just want to start off by saying I am super excited to dive into this conversation of this first episode of Duel of the Fates. And I would like to thank Jamie for <laughs> coming and joining us. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for asking. How about you guys? We're doing good. And I want to just right out of the gate, thank Jamie also for giving us what I believe to be two of the most critical roles in, in the whole radio play. <laughs> uh, I play first order officer number two, and I believe Zach plays first order officer number one, who is featured in the first episode. So people should definitely be listening for that because I really think the, you know, the whole production hangs on our performances. Yeah. I'd, I also have to double that. I think that if there was an Oscar for my voiceover acting, it would definitely win. So I definitely have to thank Jamie for that. So yeah, it has been a great journey. Now, Jamie, what made you want to tackle this production? Oh, that's a great question. And I would say the thing that made me want to work with this script was just that idea of getting access to something that we didn't necessarily get to see. Mm-hmm. When the leaks started to trickle out and people started to do two hour long videos on the you know, a couple paragraphs or whatever that were released. I was intrigued. Uh, I was somebody that enjoyed Rise of Skywalker, but didn't feel as satisfied with it as I wanted to. And so this was intriguing to me. This was really, really intriguing. And then when the full script was released, well, you know, I had to read it. And once I read it, I immediately saw the idea that it could be done as like a dramatic table read. I've seen a couple table reads in, in my time, and they're a lot of fun. And then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, it became, well, why not make this a podcast? Why not do it rather than a, you know, a three hour sitting? We could do nine 20 minute episodes. And, you know, something about the challenge of that really um, struck a chord with me, mm-hmm. just wrangling all the necessary parts to make that happen to see if we could come up with something that would be good <laughs> and it would be entertaining for people that felt as I did that it's it's cool to have an alternative narrative ending to the Skywalker saga absolutely and I am one of those people where I have not actually read the script in its entirety <laughs> so I'm coming into this completely blind each episode is going to be new to me so my reaction on this show is going to be a genuine first time reaction to the actual script so what I've seen so far, and then, of course, uh, the page that I got to have my two <laughs> awesome lines on, it is intriguing. And I want to also uh, let our listeners know that this is something that fans have opinions, and uh, Star Wars fans have a lot of them, and that oh, doesn't really? mean that they're necessarily uh, wrong or whatever. They have those opinions, and I think this is an awesome idea for you to want to bring together this audio performance of duel of the fates Mm -hmm. yeah if you're uh going stir crazy looking for something to kill some time why not you know try and transport yourself to an alternate version of a galaxy far far away 
And uh, yeah, just just doing that for a bit. And you're never going to find another time where uh, there's a lot of voice talent out there that's probably itching for something to kill some time too. So the stars aligned in a way. And I, I love that. I love that you just kind of picked up the ball and ran with it. And uh, yeah, I love that we get an alternate version of how this story could have gone. You know, this script we're assuming would have gone through many other iterations before it hit the theaters. So I don't think anyone looks at this and says that this is the be all end all of what Colin Trevorrow was hoping to do with it, but it really is a fascinating glimpse into the story elements and the themes that he wanted to bring out. And, uh, there's a lot of people that looked at it and said, yeah, you know what, that, that feels a little more star Warsy to me. And I got to admit, I was one of them, you know, Zach's coming into this pure, which is awesome. We need that perspective of someone who's kind of getting this in real time. But I immediately jumped online the second that I heard that this script existed <laughs> and, you know, basked in it for a few days. And even though I'm not like a super passionate star Wars fan, where I kind of feel like all the Star Wars properties that come out have to suit my particular sensibilities. I will say that I found a lot in this that I think really could have translated nicely to the big screen. And so that's why I think it's just so worthwhile to try and bring it to life in whatever, you know, meager ways we can, you know, while we've got some time here. So I think that this was a, a worthwhile project. I like how it's shaping up. I like what I've heard so far and uh, I'm excited to start breaking it all down. Just so our audience knows, we're going to be tackling this uh, each week as the episodes come out, we're going to do a little recap show here and uh, we're going to be putting it out ahead of the next episode that we'll be dropping and it's going to be coming out in the podcast feed for the show for Duel of the Fates and we're also going to put it out in our podcast feed for Star Wars TV Talk. So hopefully the widest possible audience of Star Wars enthusiasts are going to be able to track this down and, and hear what you've come up with. And uh, yeah, I think at this point I'm just going to step back and Zach, maybe we can jump in, see where we get. So the first thing that we have to do to get in the Star Wars mood, I mean, I want everyone to just imagine <laughs> this, the the Lucasfilm logo popping up and then a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then what comes after that, you ask? Well, of course, it's the crawl. So, Jamie, would you please read over this crawl for episode nine? Oh, I wish I could read this the way my VO guy did it, uh, but I will do my best. Here we go. Duel of the Fates, episode nine. The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Again, faster, more intense. <laughs> Thanks, George. <laughs> so right from the get-go, on the first page, we have Rose apparently getting involved in this episode right from the get-go. And from page one, she already has more involvement than she did in The Rise of Skywalker. Now, John, when you listened to this production, and even when you read it, because you read the <laughs> whole thing, what did you think about Rose's involvement with uh, keeping away some spoilers? Yeah, we won't get ahead of ourselves, but the first thing that I really enjoyed about how they uh, lead us into our adventure is that we're kind of jumping like halfway into an operation, into a mission. It's a mission in progress and we're just kind of seeing it after all the pieces have been lined up. And I felt like that was kind of Jedi esque. You know, we get the job as palace stuff in Jedi and you realize, oh, they've been planning this and they've been maneuvering and, you know, they've already got Lando on the inside and, you know, R2's already kind of got his, 
his marching orders. And you, you realize that this has been a work in progress for a while and you get the same kind of sense here. You know, you've, you've got Rose kind of doing her infiltration stuff, trying to get all the doors open, everything with BB eight. But you know, as we go through the episode, we're going to learn that all of our players are in place and ready to try and bring down this facility. I just really like that. It, it It's a way of helping to hit the ground running and, and create some really good energy. And uh, I just thought, you know what, that's, that feels like star Wars. That feels like how I would expect a star Wars movie to start. So high marks just on how it sort of plays on our expectations of what the third act in a star Wars movie should do as, as far as how it kind of leaves the stable. Um, as far as Rose is concerned, I just want to applaud the voice actors. You know, there's a lot of good talent that we brought in here. I'm not actually sure. I didn't look up who played Rose in this, but I thought that she really kind of nailed it. And she just naturally, her voice kind of suits Rose's character. So, uh, yeah, I just thought she did really good in this too. So maybe Jamie, uh, can you illuminate who, who was it that was playing Rose? That was Amy Hankel. She's an animator by trade. And I think that as a result of, you know, that skill set, she's got that in her back pocket. Uh, Mm -hmm. this very dynamic voice range, you know, like she can, she can really come off the page in a really nice way. And, uh, I think she did a, a heck of a job. Agreed. Yeah. I thought she did really good. It's really hard to take some of these characters and bring them to life in a listing format, especially when you already have your preconceived ideas as what they look like and sound like. And so I have to admit, I was not taken aback by any of these performances in this first episode. I felt like that I was into it. I felt that they all (laughs) did a great job. Um, And then also we have BB-8, who's apparently approving on his disguises here, because in The Last (laughs) Jedi, he just kind of wears a trash can and rolls around. But in this one, he's got some paint that gets chipped, of course. But yeah, he's learning to be a spy as well. Yeah, BB-8, plucky astromech droid. This is what we expect. You know, R2 always goes along on the missions in the old days. So uh, you need your your trusty droid helper that has all the the gadgets and all the spunk that you need to be able to win the day. Uh, fun reveal that you know he's painted, but there's a little chip of paint. I can I can see that scene happening, you know, where a little bit rubs off, and and there's a little swell of sort of like heroic theme when that paint is revealed. Like like we didn't already know it was BB-8, but you know now they're telegraphing it. So I think that would have been fun up on screen. I was I was really feeling that moment because I know exactly how that would have played out on the big screen. Yeah, more fun. Like like I said originally, when you jump into the adventure in progress, it just, I don't know, it's just very rousing right out of the gate. So yeah, we're getting more of that. And Jamie, so was this the audio for BB-8? Was this recycled audio that was already available uh, from the previous episodes? Or how did you go about bringing this character to life in our ears, if you will? I wish I could tell you that I had, you know, some great vocal affectation that I could, you know, <laughs> just throw it at my whim, but it is a file that I have that I think it's, uh, it's basically every vocal effect from BB eight from the first movie, I think. And so then I just need to like go through and listen to it and try and find the appropriate beep or bop or boop to, (laughs) you know, convey what it is they're trying to convey in it as best I can. I know a few of those samples are from the BB-8 Spherodroid. I have the Spherodroid and the little app that comes with it, you know, like that animates them and makes a move. It has some pre-programmed in sound bites that it chirps while you're using the app. I know a few of them were pulled from that. So it's pulling from a few different sources, I think. Ah. If we want to dig real deep on our (laughs) BB-8 audio samples. (laughs) There's an Easter egg for you. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, I want to go back to something you said, because I think it's super important. You actually have thought about how BB-8 should respond and have found the best 
and a most appropriate response for him in this episode here. Yeah, to the best of my ability when when I'm able to, yeah. Well, I definitely think that is extremely cool because with this type of stuff, maybe people don't necessarily think about that and maybe they would take that portion off. Like, oh, it's just a droid. Let's put a random beep or a boop in mm-hmm. there. But I mean, these are really uh, the the types of responses that we would get at least extremely close if this was in a film. So I, I just have to applaud you on that. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I really wanted it to be as much of an experience as possible. I have two young kids at home and I want it to be something that, they can listen to. And that was part of the reason for dividing it into nine parts as well. Obviously there's the homage to the, to the nine parts of the, the three trilogies, but um, there was also this component of trying to get them in under 20 minutes so that my children would have the attention span for it. Because when there's not video involved, it is tough. And I found that I've got them to listen to it at each stage of the way when there's just dialogue. And then when it comes back with SFX and then when it comes back with a score and, it has been really successful letting them just sit there and listen to this. Yeah. I think it's worthwhile to sweat the small stuff when it comes to star Wars sound design, like Ben Burt set a pretty high bar, you know, (laughs) with the star Wars movies back in the day. Yeah. You don't want to phone that in because it it stops feeling authentic. If uh, you don't take the time to really craft that part of it. And I think that's maybe one of the strongest things that this version of duel of the fates has going for it is it really does have an engrossing soundtrack. So Hi, Mark's on that. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, Okay, Zach, get us back on track. All right. So now this is another portion of this episode that feels extremely Star Wars. We have this masked individual who comes (laughs) and saves the day after this plan goes awry. And we have the blue lightsaber and Ray pulls back her robe and she's in a very Luke Skywalker return of the Jedi esque type of outfit here. So John, what did you think about this introduction to Ray in episode nine? Well, I, I think the comparison is obvious. The script describes her as not the girl that you knew from the previous movies, but you know, a full fledged woman Jedi decked out in black. I mean, this is, this is the analog to Luke's growth between chapters of his trilogy obviously she can hold her own she's confident she is uh, a master at this point and i think they're just trying to say that as loud as they can and and obviously drawing as many parallels as they can to how we establish luke in jedi as well and i mean this outfit also matches pretty well at least from what i remember from the concept art for this script that mm-hmm. was going to come out now while i didn't read the script i did look at some of the concept art but i'm pretty sure i'm free from certain spoilers with that <laughs> I just want to comment briefly on the analog between Jedi and Duel of the Fates. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think really that was intriguing for me as well is just the amount of time that has passed from The Last Jedi. And again, I I, I hate to make the comparison with The Rise of Skywalker, but Rise of Skywalker feels very close. And I think this movie feels much further away. And there's such fertile ground for storytelling in this world. That, you know, we, we love, and I would love to hear some of the stories that took place between episode eight and episode nine of this, you know, alternate dimension that we're in right now. <laughs> um, how did the resistance get from being just a handful of people that could fit in the millennium Falcon to somewhat able to concoct a, a caper mm-hmm. that seems relatively risky and, and big and, and Ray is clearly a a master at this point or close to Um, lots of interesting things have taken place since the last Jedi. And I would love to know what those were. Yeah. The script describes Rose as like 
battle hardened and war ready or something like that. Yeah. So it conveys the idea that she's not the plucky mechanic that we meet in last Jedi. Who's a little love struck and a little erratic, you right. know, <laughs> uh, you know, the war has changed her and now she, you know, she knows how to carry herself as well. So you're right. It, it's conveying that there's been a lot of growth with our characters and they're just really in it now. You know, they were figuring out who they were and really how they were going to try and confront the first order in the last movie. And here we are, you know, we're in it. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. There's, there's probably a, a wealth of secondary material that we're never going to get that could have been really intriguing because, um, rise of Skywalker limits us to basically less than a year of distance between the movies. So, right. uh, interesting observation. I think you're right. I would have liked to know how these characters get from point A to point B too. Well, and then especially you have this, of course, the script describes her as being a woman, you know, not not the the scavenger that we were introduced mm-hmm. to from the past two movies, but she is a trained uh, Jedi. She has her staff that she has now combined with the components from Anakin's <laughs> lightsaber to make this dual-sided lightsaber, which was also something from the concepts. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely also a parallel with the return of the Jedi where Luke kind of comes in and also in that deleted scene where he's fixing up his lightsaber mm-hmm. and he's there he's not Padawan he's Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker and I think that this is definitely as true for Rey in her introduction here mm-hmm. yeah and you can tell that all the other characters kind of understand that she's really the one that gets things done <laughs> like yeah no nobody's really questioning her abilities at this point it's it is uh yeah it's it's nice to know that we're not basically revisiting where the characters were at. We don't need to tell that story again. You know, we, we want to see the next chapter of their progression. And we get that, I think more here than in rise of Skywalker, where it seems like Ray is still riddled with self doubt and, mm-hmm. you know, she's still struggling to control her force abilities. And it just doesn't feel like there has been uh, anything significant shifting in where she's at uh, other than being able to levitate. <laughs> That's basically the, the one big thing that we see right out of the gate with her in, um, rise of Skywalker. So yeah, there, there is something to be said about this version of her and, uh, yeah, just how imposing she can be. And also the two different versions between Poe's response to Ray being there or not being there versus, you know, what we got, but Poe is actually concerned that Ray <laughs> is on this mission versus, Hey, we need you on this mission. So going into this, now this is obviously playing off of this little and brief uh, interaction between Ray and Poe back in The Last Jedi, where they they looked very flirty, and there was a lot of theories about, oh, they, they kind of like each other. They're, they're dumbfounded here. So Jamie, whenever you first read this script, I'm curious to know what your opinion was towards this more romantic Poe-Ray relationship. Yeah, I had two reactions. And, and the first one was, ah, oh, shucks, you know, they're going to go the Han and Leia route. They have two characters that, um, you know, are both white and attractive. And <laughs> so why not pair them together? But then I did think back to The Last Jedi. And I was like, that moment that they had on the Millennium Falcon was pretty flirty mm-hmm. for something that was so innocuous. Like, I, it makes me wonder. I would like to get my hands on the um, Brian Johnson script because maybe there was a stage note in there that was like, you know, they shake hands awkwardly knowingly or something like that because uh, Trevorrow wrote this from the shooting script of mm-hmm. Johnson's the last Jedi. So, I mean, there was no backlash. There was no nothing about the last Jedi. He wrote it very pure. 
right. from a very pure place. So who knows? I can illuminate that a little bit. Oh, that sure. scene is actually lifted from the Force Awakens script. So that oh. was tracks that they were trying to lay down from the first episode. Oh. And it was going to carry through. It ended up getting chopped out of Force Awakens, but it made it into the novelization. And I guess because they wanted to maybe continue that thread, they repurposed that scene in Last Jedi. So that was in their thinking from the beginning. That's not something Trevorrow came up with on his own. I think this may have been where they were hoping to take things from the get-go. And maybe The Last Jedi, just because it's narrative focused on other things, never really continued that. Uh, So that's why we're picking up the thread here. Yeah, I thought that it was extremely interesting to get that because it is something that is kind of lost in in what we currently have here. And it was something that I remember leaving the theater with my group of friends and they were all talking about that final scene between <laughs> Ray and Poe. Like, ah, there's something going on there. Like, she's she's got a crush. She clearly does. I mean, it did seem extremely flirty and then it just yeah. kind of, you know, falls by the wayside. But that's, you know, one of those things that makes this script feel more legitimate because we don't actually know if this is what it was you know the alleged script whatever uh we're calling it here it (laughs) makes feel very legitimate because we have these matches with a lot of the concept art and a lot of this type of theme that was pulled in from the last jedi that i don't think some fanboy or fangirl would actually add in themselves if they wrote this script and tried selling it as a leak yeah, I mean, we uh, there's probably no point trying to get to the bottom of exactly why this is out in the wild on the intertubes at this point. My assumption is it's legit. And like you said, there's too much in here that feels like uh, someone taking a lot of time to try and get this right. Like there's, there's just a lot of stuff that feels like it's been pulled in with care and they're trying to really weave in a, you know, a satisfying narrative. Nobody was... Uh, really discounting this because this this lines up with a lot of where anyone that was genuinely connected to the productions knew things were going right up until the end of 2016 so yeah no i mean nobody can say emphatically and we certainly wouldn't want lucasfilm to come out and say that this is a legit script because then jamie would be open to a lawsuit so let's just uh keep it in the realm of ambiguity but yeah it, it certainly tracks as legitimate star wars to me Well, and this episode really closes at a good point when we're thinking about nine parts. So whenever I heard about this concept that you're doing a podcast in nine parts from a script, I'm thinking, okay, you know, there are definitely, you know, scenes where they cut off. But this felt extremely organic. And I'm surprised that this is good, that it ended at the 20 minute mark so well, because you have Poe stealing this dreadnought and figuring out how to fly it, which also feels very Poe-ish and feels uh, extremely Star Warsy, and this whole type of banter back and forth. Uh, Finn is, of course, mocking him as he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Knights of Ren, and this introduction to the Knights of Ren is extremely interesting because one of these knights has the dark saber. And Jamie, can you tell us which one of these has a dark saber here? The knight with the dark saber has the most difficult name to say <laughs> off the tip of my tongue, but it's Haraska, Haraska mm-hmm. Ren. Uh, and it's spelled H-A-T-T-A-S-K-A. So that's how I'm choosing to pronounce it, because obviously on the page it doesn't come out. But um, he seems to be their their leader. They all have a little bit of personality. Like, I mean, there have been people that have come out and said, oh, my gosh, the Knights of Ren were so fleshed out in this script. I don't know about that necessarily, but 
they all have names <laughs> and there's a little bit more to them. And um, they certainly appear more menacing than, you know, just sort of a hilltop silhouette. I'm buying it. Like I, I, I enjoy them. Now, John, is this and keep away from spoilers if yeah. the script goes into detail on this, but is this the dark saber? Are we expected to believe from this point that it's the dark saber or just another one that's floating around? I think we should just leave that to the audience to tune in to future episodes <laughs> of Duel of the Fates, a podcast in nine parts. And uh, we'll just we'll see if if that issue will ever get resolved. I have enjoyed listening and re-listening and reading the portion of the script that deals with this first episode. So, John, what was your overall takeaway from this first one? Well, because I already knew the story, it's not like it's surprising. You know, like I like where we left it because there's a bit of a cliffhanger there where we, we have the menace of the Knights of Ren coming in. And so, you know, things are starting to heat up. So you're excited to find out what's going to happen in the next episode. Uh, so I think that was a nice spot to leave it. But my overall takeaway in listening to it was it, it felt as close to like a legit audiobook or like radio play or just, you know, like a production that maybe had a lot more budget and manpower behind it would have been able to accomplish i feel like jamie you got pretty darn close to the mark on this because oh, wow. you, you feel <laughs> you you feel it and it lets your imagination fill in the gaps and so you know you ticked all the right boxes to help make it engrossing uh, obviously you know a few rough edges here and there because i mean you get what you get when um, people right. are recording with various audio equipment like uh, you know you're you're obviously um working with a shoestring budget and, and not a lot of time, but I, I feel like you got pretty darn far with what you had to work with. And it was a lot of fun to listen to. So my takeaway is it's fun and I got to figure out how I can twist your arm to slip us uh, some pre-release episodes so that we don't actually have to wait till next week to find out uh, <laughs> where we go from here. And speaking of the releasing of episodes, Jamie, when do these episodes drop for listeners to indulge? So you will find them in your podcatcher for the next eight weeks at uh, the podcatcher of your choice, and they come out on Mondays. So anytime you check basically on a Monday, whatever podcatcher you use, or if you want to visit the website, duelthefates.ca, you can do that as well. And there's ample opportunity to listen to this around the internet for sure. Well, other than that, Jamie, where can listeners find the rest of your podcast content? If you visit duvra.com, D-E-W-V-R-E, that's where basically everything is. Very good. And then you can, of course, find John and I at StarWarsTVTalk.com. Well, until we meet back with our heroes in the next installment of Duel of the Fates, this is Zach Logan broadcasting from the Resistance. <laughs> See you next week.